It's a college baseball Tuesday, folks. We're talking the SEC. We've got Chris Gordy of Locked on SEC here to break down the Southeastern Conference. It's got the reigning champions in Mississippi State. It's got the powerhouse of Vanderbilt. Going to be a fantastic time. Stay tuned. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. And today's episode brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And as we teased in the open, you can't talk college baseball. You can't start a college baseball conversation without covering the biggest and baddest conference in college baseball, the SEC. We've got a great conversation, had a great time sitting down with my friend Chris Gordy of Locked on SEC, break down this whole conference. All right, folks, we've got Lindsey Crosby here, Locked on MLB Prospects, Chris Gordy, Locked on SEC, previewing the biggest and baddest conference in college baseball, the SEC. And and Chris, when you when you talk about the SEC, you really just have to acknowledge kind of they've been really dominant and just consistent at the top of college baseball over the last decade or so yeah it's not just the big stars it's not just the you know the friday night aces like the the david prices and the aaron nolas and those guys who are also dominant in the big leagues um you know it's also the coaches i mean you talk about some coaches who have been very successful uh and some stadiums that are just so historic from you know uh Swayze Field to, you know, Alec Box Stadium. I mean, uh, the SEC just does it different. I mean, I don't think anybody else in any other conference across the country keeps up with the other schools like the SEC does. I mean, when when you're an Auburn fan and Ole Miss is coming to town, you know who their, you know, who their best hitters are. You know who their Friday night starter is. And I think it's no secret to say, you know, the SEC – you know, has won seven of the last 12 national championships. And, you know, Mississippi State, they defeated Vandy with an all-SEC championship, and Mississippi State was able to win it. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's different down south than the SEC, uh, no doubt, when it comes to uh, college baseball. Yeah, and it's, it's the quality of the players. It's the quality of the teams. If you look at the preseason All-Americans, five of the 14 uh, in the first team are SEC guys. They have 18 across all three All-American teams. And – and so whether it's whether it's pitching, whether it's hitting, whether it's uh, returning veterans, whether it's freshmen, the SEC is just kind of loaded with talent. And you can see that when you look at the top 25 and you see that eight of the SEC teams are in the top 25, including six in the top 10 and two in the top five. Just incredibly deep conference. It's not just one or two big teams like when you talk about the Big 12 and you've got, you know, three real big teams. The whole thing kind of starts with last year's runner-up, Vanderbilt, number two to start the season. And and you hear that they lost Kumar Rocker, they lost Jack Leiter, both you know getting drafted in top 10, but they're still projected probably to win the East and to go pretty far in the College World Series. Yeah, and, and Tim Corbin is always going to have his team ready to go. Um, you know, you talk about losing Rocker and Leiter, those two guys were absolutely studs on the mound, but 
they do have a couple of pieces back. Christian Little and Carter Holton are uh, two guys that they're going to turn to on the, on the mound. But when you talk about you know position players, you got Dominic Keegan who you know played first base but can play catcher. You got Carter Young who's a solid infielder, and then you got you know uh, center fielder, SEC Freshman of the Year, and, and Enrique Bradfield. Um, that's a good place to start. Then you mix in Carter Young at shortstop. Had a really good year. Was named SEC All Newcomer Team. Uh, and then Carter Holton, who I mentioned, you know, is a big lefty for them that I think they'll be able to rely on. So yeah, Vandy's going to be right back in the mix. I mean, you know, they are going to be dominant. They're going to win a lot of games. And uh, yeah, you you will you knew Rocker and Lighter as household names. You'll know a lot of these other guys as household names very soon. Yeah, and the the question there for me is how quickly do they figure out the roles for everybody in the rotation? You know, Patrick Riley is going to be a guy as a sophomore. You think he's going to be a starter kind of pretty quickly. Uh, Nick Maldonado's coming back. You have him to kind of anchor the bullpen. But like you said, Christian Little, Carter Holton, who fits in on what days? It's going to be really interesting. Uh, and then other teams that kind of have have questions despite everything they accomplished, Mississippi State. You know, number three to start the season, obviously won the College World Series last year. You have to replace a player of the year in the SEC in Tanner Allen. And so, and then you have to replace your most outstanding player of the College World Series, Will Bedner. So it's, the question is, how do they retool and who does what? But I think Mississippi State, it probably has to be your favorite to come out of the West as well. Yeah, yeah, they are. And throw Rowdy Jordan in that mix of guys that they lost who, who played a big role. But Chris... Chris Lamonis has been really good uh, since he's gotten there in Starkville. And, you know, I think the the first guy you look at as stars returning is, is the catcher, Logan Tanner, uh, you know, burst onto the scene last year, hit 287, 15 homers, 53 ribbies. He was, I mean, incredible behind the plate. Then, you know, when you look at that pitching staff, man, the anchor of the, you know, bullpen and, and uh, you know, basically the all everything guy they needed was Landon Sims and he's back. Uh, had a fantastic year. I mean, he went, what, 5-0, and 144 ERA, 13 saves last year. So uh, having those guys is is where you start, but plenty of other big names back for them, from Luke Hancock to uh, Lane Forsyth, Kellum Clark. Uh, some questions with the pitching. I mean, Jackson Fristo is back. Uh, you expect he'll settle into that weekend rotation. Andrew Walling is an interesting guy to keep an eye on. He's a lefty transferring in from Oregon State. But I, I think there's a chance – you know, we, we saw Landon Sims so much out of the uh, bullpen last year. I think there's a chance he settles in as the Friday night guy and maybe is their ace this year. Yeah. And then, like you said, there's, you know, Jackson Fristo and other guys. I'm kind of curious about Preston Johnson and Cade Smith moving from the bullpen to the rotation. It's something where, I mean, obviously Mississippi State has a lot of guys, but if you do that, you have to figure out who's going to be your key relievers out of the bullpen. And the good thing is plenty of depth where they can do that, plenty of experience where they can do that. And, and when you're looking at experienced teams, you you kind of have to look at Florida. They lost some key pieces, but you know they have potential first-round draft picks on their team, including a guy who I think is probably one of the better pitchers of the SEC in Hunter Barco. Yeah, Barco was was fantastic last year. He's a lefty, went 10-3. and three. Um, Man, he was fun to watch. And you start with him. It's a great piece. I mean, when, the theme you'll notice with a lot of teams we talk about is there are not a lot of teams that know who their race is. You know, there are some teams that are, you know, we just mentioned Mississippi State, LSU, I think, is another team where they're looking at a guy, you know, LSU has a guy like Devin Fontenot. Is he going to be a starter? Is he going to be better out of the bullpen? I think with Florida, when you can say, no, Hunter Barco's our guy, you know, stud guy that we can go to. We need to win a game. We're going to go with him. 
Uh, they've got that question solved. Uh, the other piece is Judd Fabian was one of my favorite outfielders to watch last year. He had 20 home runs for, for the Gators. Uh, Chris Armstrong is a solid first baseman DH guy. Then you had your all SEC outfielder and Sterling Thompson. Uh, I think they're Florida's loaded again and, you know, probably underachieved last year for being fair. But um, yeah, I think the Gators are ready. And I think uh, certainly could be an Omaha team this year. Yeah. They have a really deep experience lineup and, and, I don't think you're going to see them getting upset again in their own regional. But, you know, when you look at deep teams and experienced teams, Arkansas in the West, uh, number eight preseason, but brought in a lot of really used the transfer portal. Outfielder Jace Boffrin from Oklahoma brought in Michael Turner from Kent State to catch for them. Uh, Chris Lansley came over from Wake Forest, you know, the, 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 the baseball powerhouse there in the ACC. And so obviously already lost Peyton Paulette for the season. That's a big thing but despite that still feels like they have plenty of options on the mound they just have to figure out who's going to do what another one of those teams that may not necessarily know who the ace is right now yeah Paulette losing Paulette is huge because you know he was a guy a big guy that they were going to lean on this year and uh you lose him with an injury for the season I mean look you never want to say is a good time to lose a guy but at least you lost him a couple weeks before the start of the season so you can kind of figure out how to address this, whereas opposed to if it happens in season, oh man, what do we do? You're left scrambling. So at least you know ahead of time, um, you know, he's a loss. And then the big guy that they lost out of the bullpen and went pro, Kevin Copps, was my favorite reliever to watch in in, in all college baseball last year. So he's gone. But look, Dave Van Horn knows what he's doing. Uh, they got some good offensive pieces. Peyton Stovall, the Louisiana kid who, you know, didn't go to LSU, went up to Arkansas, and he's been really good at that third base spot. Uh, Robert Moore, another stud. I think I think Moore, Stovall, and then uh, Jackson Wiggins, uh, the pitcher, were all named preseason All-Americans. So that's a good start right there. I think Wiggins, you know, went three and one last year as a pitcher. So some good pieces. Caden Wallace. I mean, Arkansas once again is loaded. It's so funny. Well, this will be a theme. But all the teams we mentioned, we're going to say, you know, possible <laughs> Omaha team. And but I think it's fair. I think it just shows the SEC is absolutely loaded. And unfortunately somebody's going to have to lose to these teams. Okay. If you're anything like me, this is the time of year when you've pretty much given up on all your New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I am resolved to stick to my resolution of eating right, and that is thanks to Built Bar. It doesn't even feel like a resolution because I enjoy eating them. Uh, Built Bars are covered 100% real chocolate, the puffs included. If you have not had the puffs, you're missing out on one of the best-tasting Built Bars. The first ever protein-infused marshmallows. Fluffy, marshmallowy, not like your typical protein bar. They're a treat, 100% real chocolate, just like everything else. All Built Bars, low-calorie, high-protein. Replace your candy bars with these. Check them out. They've got some incredible flavors. Um, churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie for the puffs. The standard ones, you've got your mint brownies, your coconut almonds, your usual stuff. New for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream delicious new flavors coming out all the time so go to built.com check out all of the regular flavors the limited time flavors and then while you're there use promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off your order at built.com that's promo code locked 15 at built.com today's show also brought to you by our friends at rock auto so i had to repair my car over the weekend and the issue when you go into an auto parts store is there's so many cars and there's so many models that you get there and they're like, okay, is it an LX or an EX? Is it a sport? Is it not? 
Do you have this engine configuration, that engine configuration? And then obviously, there's so many parts, they don't have them. They have to stop and they have to order them. Instead, go to rockauto.com and choose to do it from the convenience of your home for less money. It might be 30% less, 50% less, could even be 100% less. It's a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. The prices are reliably low and they have everything you could need. I mean, brake parts, tail lamp, motor oil, new carpet for your car. They have everything you could need. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the box so that they know we sent you. That's rockauto.com right locked on. Yeah, I mean, the next team I wanted to talk about, Old Miss, same situation. I mean, and they 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 had the injuries last year, obviously. They lost some some difficult and you know, had some difficult injuries come up during the season. Still made it to the Super Regionals, but they're bringing Tim Elko back. I mean, he hit 16 home runs last year, batted 325. And so, you know, shortstop Jacob Gonzalez uh, now as now as a sophomore, you you know, you get him back in the middle of your lineup. But the big losing the big one-two punch of Doug Nagazi and Gunnar Hogland just to me is one of those. Yes, you brought in pitchers from the portal, but um, the pitching staff is going to be what carries Old Miss into June and how far they can go and can they make it to Omaha? Yeah, well, I mean, Derek Diamond was a guy who pitched in some big games for them down the stretch of last season, and you get him coming back a big power righty, made 20 appearances last year. Um, that's a good place to start. Again, like I said, some of these other teams don't don't really know who's my go-to guy. At least Derek Diamond, you know, can be that guy. Uh, but you mentioned that this lineup, it's another one that's absolutely loaded. They're bringing so many guys back from Elko, Peyton Chatnier, uh, Hayden Dunhurst behind home plate. I mean, they are really, really good pieces. And then, you know, that there's a guy in um, a JUCO transfer coming in, Reagan uh, Burford who they say, you know, could end up playing third base. We'll see. But Swayze Field, I just have to say, one of the best environments in all of baseball. And they are going to be loud. They are going to be live. And I think this Ole Miss team is going to score a lot of runs this year. Yeah, and and when you talk about scoring runs, I, I think about the LSU lineup. LSU, to me, seems like they may have the best lineup in all of college baseball. I mean, just – and I think part of that is, you know, Jay Johnson has brought – has, you know, has, has brought a player to – with him when he came over to take over for Paul Manieri, but but LSU just has incredible, saying it again, incredible depth top to bottom in the lineup, and just guys that can hit home runs, can hit the ball really loud, and and I think that offense is really going to be like it's going to give the pitching staff a long runway to figure it out. Yeah, I, I think one of the quotes from Jay Johnson at the start of the you know when he first got the job was, "We're not going to swing at bad pitches." Um, you know, that was kind of something that if we were critical at all of some of the hitters the last couple of years in Maneri's final years at LSU, you know, there were some bad at bats. There were guys who were, you know, swing and miss, a lot of strikeouts and all that. I think Jay Johnson's going to cut that down. And it starts with bringing over a stud hitter from Arizona and Jacob Berry, uh, one of the top transfers, <laughs> the guys to move, you know, move schools this offseason. You bring in him. I mean, it, it seriously is it's crazy when you consider you got him. Then you got Trey Morgan and Dylan Cruz, who were two stud freshmen from last year. Five of their hitters all batted over 300 last year and combined for 73 home runs and 275 RBIs. I mean, I don't think it's a fluke to say, yeah, this is a loaded lineup, just like Ole Miss and Mississippi State. But again, questions for them. 
are pitching. Is is Devin mm-hmm. Fontenot, is he a lo- is he a Friday night starter? Are you going to give him a chance there, or are you going to keep him in the bullpen? You got Mikhail Hilliard, you got Javon Coleman, guys who have seen a lot of uh, innings, particularly Mikhail Hilliard. But, uh, man, I, I just wonder what's that pitching staff going to look like. If they could be serviceable pitching, man, they're scoring nine, ten runs a night. LSU will make some noise this year, uh, you know, in the SEC, and they'll be right there in the West. Yeah, and a team that that wanted to make noise last year and just barely missed the NCAA tournament, I think it's Georgia. You know, and and when you saw that they had Jonathan Cannon not get drafted in the top five rounds and come back, and then most of their recruiting class made it to campus. They're a team that I feel like they're now just deep and full of veterans. And when you combine, you know, bringing back eight regulars to your lineup has to mean you feel good about Georgia being at 14 in that top 25. Yeah. Uh, Scott Strickland is, is a good, is a good coach. He's been doing this a while, been to a couple of regionals and he's got them right, right back where they, where they're supposed to be preseason top 20. But you mentioned Jonathan Cannon preseason, all American made 12 starts last year. 393 ERA. He is a guy who will cause problems for a lot of teams this year. Uh, Jaden Woods earned freshman All-SEC honors last year. Uh, Dylan Ross is coming in from JUCO. They think he could be their number three weekend starter. So I, I like the pitching from Georgia. The offense, you bring back the uh, Connor Tate, Cole Tate. I like the the, the duo there, shortstop and outfielder. But uh, And Josh McAllister, he, he was a 300 hitter for you. But uh, I want to see some consistency from that Georgia offense. And again, if they could put it together, I think uh, they're going to make a lot of noise in the East. Yeah, they scored, I think, about five and a half runs a game last year. And it really felt like it, it came in spurts. They Their offense would be quiet for two days and then they'd erupt for 10 or 12 on a on a Sunday to kind of make the, the weekend look respectable. But that's something where they have to be a little more consistent. And this is, as we've said, obviously very deep conference. And so if you had to kind of handicap maybe the East, where do you necessarily think teams are going to finish? Obviously, there's Florida, there's Vandy, there's Tennessee, there's Georgia. How do you see that shaking out? I mean, I think Vandy, I, I got to put Vandy at the top just with with what they have and what they're bringing back. I, I do think Florida has a chance to jump in. I loved what Tony Vitello did last year at Tennessee. I would love to put them up there, but they had a big loss, just like, just like Arkansas. They had a loss in their ace and Blade Tidwell going to miss the start of the season with shoulder with that shoulder injury so because of mm-hmm. that I think I would slide Tennessee just a bump behind Florida but again keep Georgia right there in the mix as as a surprise team that if the the cards fall their way they could certainly jump up there but man I love what the, the Tennessee fan base did last year coming out supporting Vitello and making that a rocking environment and uh man it was fun to see yeah, I had I also have kind of Vandy in Florida at that top two. And then I think I have Tennessee just kind of beating out Georgia. But I think it's going to be kind of those four teams and then a little bit of a drop off before you get to the next group of South Carolina, Missouri, and Kentucky. And and that's just the nature of the SEC being so tough and playing so many games against these other really good teams is you, you can have a good season. And I think South Carolina is a good baseball team. But a team like South Carolina is going to struggle when they have to play I think it's at Vandy and at Tennessee, and then they they host Florida and Georgia. So the East is tough. I think the West might actually be tougher than the East, though. And I think it's because the Mississippi schools, Arkansas, LSU, were all so good. And I just don't necessarily know how the West is going to shake out. Uh, yeah, I want to feel like Mississippi State's the top one. Yeah, they are. I mean, you're the reigning national champs. Uh, until somebody beats you and knocks you off, I'm, I'm keeping Mississippi State up there. But, yeah, I'd probably go State – Maybe Ole Miss just, you know, I slide Arkansas down with the with the pallet injury. Um, 
uh, Paulette injury. But if you move uh, Ole Miss up, probably Arkansas and LSU right there. But if LSU scoring 10 runs a night, I mean, you know, it, it, even if the pitching struggles and they're taking two out of three every weekend, LSU could be right up there. So, yeah, I think the pecking order, I don't think you're wrong. Like, put it this way, anybody putting out predictions of how it's going to finish in the West, I don't Nobody's going to say you're wrong if you put Ole Miss one or you put LSU one. I will say, though, Jim Schlossnagel is going to win some games he's not supposed to this year. I loved him at TCU. I think he's a great hire for Texas A&M and, uh, you know, two-time national coach of the year. Watch out for them. I, the, like, he's got to get his recruits in there and build this thing up. They, they've brought right. in some pieces from the transfer portal. But, man, A&M would not surprise me if they upset some people this year that they're, that they're not supposed to. Yeah. Bringing in Schlossnagel from from TCU kind of feels like a bit of a coup. Just, I mean, getting a, a big name guy and obviously lots of players you saw came in want to play for him. And that that's a team that I feel like in two or three years when we have this conversation, we're going to be looking at them right at the top with Mississippi State and with Arkansas. As we said earlier, today's show is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues all the way through the big game this upcoming weekend. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores and news this season. And it's not just football. They've got up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC. So don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers available for the 2022 season because BetOnline is where the game starts. I would be remiss because I am physically sitting in Auburn, Alabama right now. I would be remiss if I didn't ask about the Auburn Tigers 2022 season, because you saw obviously injuries last year. You saw you lost some guys, most notably Ryan Bliss, to the to the MLB draft. And so the question is, you lost your top three hitters. You've lost your star closer. Does are the incoming transfers Tommy Sheehan from from Notre Dame? Are the incoming transfers good enough to bolster this this rotation somewhere where they can bounce back from last year's disappointment of not making the regionals? Time's going to tell. I'll say this, you know, I think for the rep on the outside looking in expectations are low for Auburn, but I did see what just a week ago, they set a record for season tickets sold. I mean, the fan base is excited. Like Bush, Butch Thompson, I think is not going into the season saying, eh, you know, it's kind of a rebuilding year. We'll see. No, I mean, he's got some pieces when you got Brody Moore, Moore who hit close to 300 last year. Um, you know, I like him a lot. Case and Howell, Cam Hill are good hitters. Uh, but I think it comes to the pitching. Mason Barnett appeared in 16 games last year. What's he going to look like this year? Uh, Blake Burkholder, Will Morrison. I mean, these are all guys that what are you going to look like in 2022? So uh, I think some pitching questions, but uh, certainly, um, you know, you want to get some consistency out of that lineup as well. And like I said, it starts with more. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely something where you just you have to have guys step up. And then for Auburn, they've got to figure out that weekend rotation. And, you know, is Carson Skipper, is he going to be a Saturday guy? Is he going to be a Friday guy? I said Mason Barnett, uh, Tommy Sheehan. That's kind of the, the the big questions there. But so when I when I zoom out and I kind of put on my MLB draft hat and look at this conference, it feels like it's very hitter heavy like you know that there's hitters in this conference and the pitchers you're either waiting for them to break out or they're hurt is that something that that like am I right in that assessment or is that something where where there's plenty of pitching talent we just don't necessarily know how good they are yet yeah I think that's fair I mean you know um 
there, there are some guys like that I think will prove themselves. Like I'll just take Devin Fontenot, for instance, for, for example, at LSU. Like he was a really good guy of their bullpen last year. If they, tr- if they want to slide him into that Friday night role and he's a starter and he performs well, like that's a guy who's going to climb up boards and, you know, could, could become a, you know, second round pick when it's all said and done. But if we're talking like guys that are first rounders, I, I mean, hitting wise at Tennessee, like I, I like Jordan Beck a lot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think he's a potential first rounder down the road, 15 home runs, 64 RBIs last year. Um, you know, Will Sanders at South Carolina. I, I've heard some people say he's a potential first rounder. So just some, some names to keep an eye on this year that, you know, as we get to conference play of um, guys that, you know, over the next year or two that we'll be keeping an eye on and saying, okay, that, that guy's going to be a stun. And in particular at LSU, I mean, we saw Alex Bregman a couple years ago, he goes to the Astros and, you know, I mean, he hits the ground running and, and they go to a world series. I think Dylan Cruz at LSU is a guy very much in that same realm, has that same attitude. The minute he walked mm-hmm. on the campus at LSU, he was a superstar. Would not surprise me if Dylan Cruz, you know, what, a year or two down the road is a top five pick coming out of LSU. Yeah, that, that 2023 draft, I think the outfielders coming out of uh, the SEC, you're going to have Dylan Cruz, you're going to have Enrique Bradfield from Vanderbilt coming out, uh, Jace Boffrin from from Arkansas, just a lot of a lot of outfielders in 23. And then in 22, uh, there's a lot of big, big bats. Jacob Berry, uh, corner infielder for LSU. I'm not going to say first or third. I do think, I mean, they've got Kay Doty that can play third as well. And so it's just lots of offensive hitters. The I feel like there's not as many shortstops as I expected. I feel like the SEC's always made good shortstops, especially Vandy. You think about you know like guys like Dansby Swanson. And I feel like the shortstops in the SEC are just kind of young. And it's surprising to me that if you look at, let's say, a top, you know, a top 25 draftable guys for next year, there's maybe two shortstops. You know, you're looking at Ryan Ritter from Kentucky and and you know, maybe a Carter Young from Vandy, and that's about it. And that just seems a bit unusual for the SEC. It is. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Dansby, him and Bregman came out at the same draft. I mean, literally studded from Vandy and a stud from LSU who, who both came out and uh, ironically both played in the World Series this year, both of those guys. <laughs> so um, crazy how quick it could happen. But no, I mean, you know, Ryan Ritter is is definitely a stud, um, you know, not just I, I think the key is. You know, you can be a good hitter in the SEC and, and people know who you are. But, man, if you were that stud defensively like Ritter is at Kentucky that eats up everything, a human highlight reel, that's what gets scouts turning their heads. And that would, that's what gets your name a little bit of buzz. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see what kind of year Ritter has because, I mean, he was good at the plate, 275 last year, 49 hits. But, man, if he takes that up to another level and he has the defensive play to back it up, I think he's a guy that a lot of people could get, could get excited about. He absolutely is. And and some of these pitchers, I'm really excited. Uh, Blake Tidwell, Tennessee, Landon Sims of, of Mississippi State. I feel like they're both guys that have the potential to take a big leap this year. And if they do, you're going to hear them call the, probably the first or second round. Uh, but all in all, just a lot of development to expect, a ton of offense from this conference. So we're going to be checking back in throughout the season on, you know, College Baseball Tuesdays. If you want to follow Locked On and Movie Prospects, uh, we're on Twitter at Locked On Farm. Follow me on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Folks want to follow Locked On SEC, Chris? Yeah, just LockedOnSEC.com or wherever you find your podcast. We're talking uh, mostly football year-round, but we're talking a lot of uh, college baseball and basketball as well. So come check us out. 